0: yeah 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 all right well so so here's kind of the deal i've been preaching to just a camera for like the last two and a half months and so now i've got to get used to like actually looking at people and a camera i mean this is a lot of transition happening today but if you're just joining us online welcome we're excited that you're with us uh, we are sort of starting to ramp up back to having live services again. And so, so today uh, here in Gulfport, we've got some of our Gulfport leaders and families with us. And next week, we're going to begin to have services that are open to, uh, to more than just leaders. Um, with that, just so you guys know what's going on is, um, uh, first off, I'd like to say this. There's no perfect way to go back to live services right now. Y'all with me? Like, everybody understand what's going on? There's no perfect way. Like, do we wear a mask? Do we not wear a mask? Should I wear a mask while I preach? I'm not sure, you know? That would be very annoying to listen to. But, um, but you know, there's a whole lot of things. It's like, man, what's the right way to do this? First thing I want to say is this, is that anytime over the next few months, if you don't feel comfortable being in a live service, in a live setting, that is perfectly Okay. Don't feel pressured, don't feel guilted or shamed into showing up somewhere you don't feel comfortable. You know, um, Everybody's kind of got to walk through this and whatever they feel comfortable uh, doing. And so with that, we're going to open up services next week. We're going to have one service at each location starting at 10 a.m. And uh, we're actually going to have a spot where you can register to, uh, to, to be a part. And that's at Gather. And uh, what we're going to do is open it up uh, on Fridays prior to each service for you to sign up. And, uh, and so we're not sure what time exactly, because I know there's going to be some people that are, you know what I'm saying, like you're, you're just waiting, like you're waiting to click the button, you know what I'm saying? I got to register. But, uh, but we're going to be running pretty much 50% occupancy at each location. And, uh, and with that, we're going to have like a family, uh, family environment for those with children uh, ages four and below, um, and ages five and above will be allowed to be here. Here in the auditoriums, and so so you'll be able to indicate that as you sign up. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and feel this. Take it kind of week to week, honestly and see, you know, what, what are we capable of doing? Uh, and then, and then, honestly, how many people are feeling comfortable? You know, there's, there's quite a few of us are here today. Uh, I know some were like, hey, I'm going to opt out of this one right now, and that's perfectly fine. Again, we just wanted to make sure that everybody's feeling like no pressure. You know what I'm talking about? This isn't like a, are you going to be at church this Sunday? Well, I'm not really quite sure. I, I kind of feel like not. Are you going to be at church Sunday? You know what I'm saying? Let's just, kinda, let's just step through this um, in a relaxed way. But uh, but I'm excited about it. I'm excited. I'm excited today to have all of you here with us. And uh, yeah yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be nice to have some feedback. You know, uh, nothing's more awkward than when, whenever you make a joke and you have to laugh at your own joke, and you have no feedback whatsoever. And so today, if I say something funny, it'd be great to hear a little bit of a chuckle there. I tell you, just <laughs> at any point, that'd be nice. But uh, unless I don't say something funny, then that would be weird to laugh again. <laughs> He said he wanted a lot of laughter, so. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, so, so with that, I did want to give a shout out as we're getting started today. Many people don't know that today is actually Children's Day. Come on. Uh, yeah, I know, right? Come on, we got Mother's Day. We got Father's Day. We got, it's Kids Day today. Come on. So give it up for all of our kids. We got a couple in the room today. But if you're watching online, like, all the kids are like, man, I wish I would have known this. I would have asked for a present or something like that. Well, that's why you don't know about it, because uh, birthdays and whatnot are good enough. But, um, you know, I got the, Ariana's with us today. She's eight years old. And then Elin, she's two years old. She's staying with our, uh, my sister-in-law today. She's not uh, quite ready for, for this type of environment, if you know what I'm saying. And, um, but, uh, but, but, you know, children are a blessing from God. They are. And so, uh, so today, give them a little bit extra love. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, but Children's Day, next week, I think it's Father's Day, right? Shameless plug there for Father's Day, and uh, see, I did it for Mother's Day. I helped out all the men. You know, I don't need to help out the women because you guys, y'all, y'all, you remember everything. So everything. <laughs> I'm going to get into the message quickly today because that's what needs to happen. But um, but here we are. We're we're continuing our series. What's the point? What's the point? And you know what's awesome is we decided to start the book of Ecclesiastes a couple of months ago, two and a half months ago, and it's amazing how each week has really lined up with something that is going on in society. I tell you, uh, last week we talked about uh, what, you know, how politics and justice are, are meaningless without Jesus. Politics are meaningless. Justice is impossible without Jesus. And by the way, if you missed that sermon, I would love if you'd, you'd make some time to go back and listen to that because... Last week, I shared a lot of things that I believe are pertinent to what's going on in our nation right now. Um, today, we're not going to be, you know, talking a, a lot about what's going on. Uh, we've done that last week and, and even the Wednesday night before that at prayer and worship last week. Uh, I shared a lot of, a lot of heart. We prayed over our country and, um, I think right now, you know, as we today, we talk about how religion is meaningless without Jesus. We're going to talk a little bit about the church. And I really believe this. I believe that the church has a great opportunity in this season to also uh, be an example of what religion. OK, sometimes we use that word in a negative sense. And, and I'm going to kind of explain that here in a second. Uh, how religion is actually uh very, very meaningful because of Jesus and, and how we have a wonderful responsibility and opportunity to represent him even in the darkest of times. I would actually argue that we have an opportunity to represent Jesus more whenever times are dark, whenever times are, 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 are like they are right now. And so, uh, so today, what's the point? the book of Ecclesiastes. Again, it was written by, uh, by King Solomon. Most people agree it was written by King Solomon. And he wrote this book at, at, sort of like a, a teacher teaching a class or a preacher preaching to uh, the church. And so that's kind of the, the angle at which this whole book is written. And so if you've missed the other weeks, again, like always, I'd encourage you to go back and catch up and, uh, and, and kind of get a feel of what we've been talking about. But, uh, but each week we've talked about a different thing and how those things are meaningless without Jesus. Now the word meaningless is like a vapor, okay, where you, you can't, sh- can't quite put your, your fingers around it, can't quite, you know, grip it. You, you, you go and you, you chase the wind, right? You chase the wind, you can't quite, uh, catch the wind. It's sort of the same thing in how he's writing this. A lot of things are meaningless, uh, if we really zoom out. And I think the same thing is true with religion. Have you guys ever really thought about church and how strange church is? Do you guys do that? Let me, let me, let me say it better than that because you're like, no, I have never think about how strange church is. That sounds so wrong. Let me put it this way. Do you guys ever think about how weird sports are? Okay, think about it. Human beings, we, we create this, this game, okay, with, we have like a, whether it's a football or a basketball of some sort, and we, we put people on a field or a court, and we, we put rules around what they can do. We put a point system around it, and then we build an entire economy off of that game. Like, that's what I'm talking about. If you really start zooming out from things that we do, they're, they're kind of strange. They're kind of weird, you know? And church really is kind of the same way. It's, it's kind of weird if you look at it. I mean, here we are. We gather together. We sing songs right, through our masks or whatnot, and all of your glasses are all fogging up, and uh, so you're just like, no, forget about it. Put it to the side, you know, but, but, but when we come together, and then we hear someone share a sermon, and we're encouraged, but then we leave. It, it's just kind of this strange structure, and you know what? It would be completely meaningless and pointless if it wasn't who we're gathering to worship and pray to, right? The whole church structure is strange without a point. And today, religion, church, what we do is pointless. It's meaningless without Jesus. Now, the definition of religion is the belief in and worship of a superhuman controlling power, okay? Especially a personal God or gods, a particular system of faith and worship. Now, in a negative sense, whenever we talk about it a lot of times, we actually are talking about uh, operating according to a list of rules and regulations versus engaging in a mentality and relationship with God that changes the way that you live your life. Whenever we talk about religion, a lot of times in church, we're talking about someone that follows rules and regulations not a person that has a relationship with a true and living God, right? And so religion by itself is kind of strange, it's kind of pointless. However, if Jesus is real, then the church is one of the most important, if not the most important gathering, organization of people on the planet, right? The priorities that we live by are so meaningful because it's based upon Jesus. The the way that we affect society is so important because of our belief system. Again, I believe that the church has a wonderful opportunity to have a massive effect on society right now in regards to what it looks like to truly reconcile races together. A giant opportunity. Whether someone believes that it's, it's legitimate or not, whether somebody, whatever your belief system is on you know, the political side, on the racial side, whatever the case is, we've got an issue in our country. And guess what the church needs to do? Be an example of how to talk about it, how to pray through it, how to gather around it, how, how to support one another, and how to, to truly move forward in unity and healing. This is, the, this is the effect that we can have on society, again, based upon the priorities that we live by the difficult choices that we make to be like Jesus. Come on, all of us in this room, all of us watching online who are followers of Christ, we've had to make very difficult decisions on on how we're gonna serve Jesus. And sometimes that's at the the expense of a relationship, right, it's at the expense of a job, uh, where we reorganize and reprioritize our lives around our beliefs. And so the thing about religion, though, is that we cannot make it about us. We can't make it about us. And that's what happens a lot of times is that church becomes about us who are already here, our, our preferences, our likes, you know, and then a lot of people, when it comes to a church, a gathering of people, if I don't like what this certain church is doing or saying, then guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to go find me another one. And then if I can't find one that suits all of my preferences and all the things that I like, then I just don't need church at all. And many people separate church from religion. Like I can have my own thing apart from the church. And, and I'm just going to say, I haven't seen that be very successful very many times in people's lives. It's biblical. We need one another, right? We flesh out our relationship with God also in regards to our relationship with people. It's tied together. But in our American culture... Christian worship is many times selfish, again, about our desires and, and our likes and our preferences. And, and we don't want to put it this way. We don't want to label it as this. But many times, our worship of God actually becomes worship of self. And in that, t- in that moment where it happens, it's actually fallen into our belief system, the way that we live our life, has actually become idolatrous. 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 Now, we wouldn't want to think that even in a room like this, right, the way that we're worshiping right now online, that it could become idolatrous. But you know what? I think online church is pretty easy, right? It's it's pretty easy. And what happens is it becomes like, man, this is actually a little bit, um, I kind of like this, you know? And then it's like, hey, um, I'll catch the message later this week. And then it's like, I'll catch the message, I'll double up next week, (laughs) All right, I'll just pick up where I left off, you know, three months later. I don't know. But what happens is we, we begin to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, even whenever it's not in a physical room. And, um, and so because it becomes about our desires, our likes, our preferences, but even more than just showing up in a room, I think that it, we need to talk about it in a deeper way, which is really how we think and how we approach God. So I shared this a few months ago, and it was kind of funny. I want to bring it back up again to kind of illustrate it from a different angle, but it has to do with what we call a cat and dog theology. Cat and dog theology, and I'll put it like this. A dog says, you pet me, you feed me, you shelter me, and you love me. You must be God, right? Dogs are sort of consumeristic in the way that they live their life. You know, as soon as somebody starts feeding them, they go that to that other person. No loyalty whatsoever, right? A cat says, you pet me, you feed me, you shelter me, you love me. I must be God, <laughs> right? Because cats are preeminent. They have a preeminent spirit about them. Come on, let's just be real. Yeah, cat, cat, I mean, this isn't going to be the proper terminology, but they're like, they're like, for us, we would refer to that as humanism, right? like we are uh, equal to or above whatever entity it is that is serving us. We get very humanistic or we think that our thought process is above any other God or any other person. It's our priority. It's our likes above anything. Dogs tend to be consumeristic. Cats tend for us to be very humanistic or catistic, however you would Say so it feline felinism, I'm, I'm not sure how to say that exactly right. But but here's the deal: a lot of our modern Christianity looks like this. God isn't this almighty sovereign king. He is sort of like a servant or someone that gives me what I want. And if he doesn't, we're gonna have issues. We're gonna have some problems. And that's how a lot of people approach their relationship with God. That's how a lot of Christians approach church. It's, it's kind of an issue in our nation. So we use God to get what we really want. And it's really a complete reversal of the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which many of you know about, some of you don't know, but it's basically a summary of Christian beliefs uh, it was actually written back in the 1600s. And so there's a lot of wonderful language, a lot of wonderful things that helps us keep centered on on what we believe in um, in, in Christianity. And, and one of the things that it says is this. It says that uh, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Our chief end is to, to glorify God, to lift him up and to enjoy him. But a lot of people, their thought process has that completely reversed. It's like man's, you know, God's chief you know end is to 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 worship us and to to enjoy us <laughs> right it 's completely upside down, and many people preach it and they love it and they teach it and they embrace it to such a degree that whenever you actually teach what the Bible says, they reject it because it doesn 't sound as fun to talk about it 's not as fun to talk about how our chief end, the chief goal of our life is to glorify God and lift him up. No matter what we see, no matter what we encounter, it's a lot funner to talk about how our lives are going to be enriched and we're going to be able to enjoy our lives. And, um, and if, you know, that we almost have like control of that. It's, you know, page one of humanistic thinking. So religion can become empty and powerless when we do not have a proper view and a fear or a reverence of God. And a lot of times that's actually what's lacking in these conversations is a proper view of God, a proper fear of God, a reverence for him. And so when that happens, we can fall into two categories. We can fall into formalism. We can get very legalistic in the way that we approach God, or we can actually become very manipulative in the way that we approach God, where we actually try to manipulate God. And we're gonna talk about this, and actually we're gonna look at how uh, Solomon uh, he exposes these things. This is way back in the day, but it is the same problem that just continues to repeat itself. And so Solomon exposes how, and this is the main uh, umbrella of what we're gonna talk about today, is that religious ritual without the fear of God is meaningless. Religious ritual without the fear of God is meaningless. The first thing that we're gonna talk about is, how, is about offerings, offerings. And, and we're going to start in verse one of chapter five. He says, guard your steps when you go into the house of God. To draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifices of fools, the sacrifice of fools, for they do not know what they are do, that they are doing evil. So he's talking about offerings, which is referring to the sacrificial system, which is put in place by God. And it's basically this, a sinful man cannot approach God. Okay, we know that. If you're sinful, you can't approach God. It's opposed to who he is. So God instituted the sacrificial system so man and God could be reconciled. But it required bloodshed and a lot of procedures and rituals. And if you're wondering what I'm talking about, go read the Old Testament, especially in Leviticus and all those those books, you'll see how many rituals there were in order to approach God, one of which were offerings. Now, if you look in the Bible and you go back to Adam and Eve, and you read, uh, whenever they sinned, you'll see the first sacrifice that was performed right there where God took an animal, killed the animal, took his skin, and clothed, clothed Adam and Eve. What a, a powerful picture. If you look at the, 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 what that represented and how that, repre- uh, how that is represented in Jesus how Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for us and he closed our sin. You begin to see these types and these shadows and these these metaphors about um, how the sacrificial system is represented, even in what we uh, pray about and talk about all the time. But that's basically the beginning. But this system could be turned into a, a formal or a legalistic system. And many thought that the offering without repentance and faith was enough. And the prophets continually had to correct this thinking. They thought that they could just offer whatever and then walk away and do whatever. And then, hey, we're good, good to go, right? I've offered my offerings and my sacrifices. But the big idea that the, 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 the prophets try to convey and one that we need to remember is that God refuses ritual without repentance. He doesn't accept that. See, God has always been about the heart. He's about the heart. And what we like to do is make it about the head. We like to make it about what we can do in order to accomplish something, because that's what we like to, we like to look back in our life and say, look what I've done, right? Look what I've accomplished. And God says, it's not really about all that. God refuses ritual without repentance, 1 Samuel 15, says, does the Lord take pleasure in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? Look, to obey is better than sacrifice. To pay attention is better than the fat of rams. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience. But many times, come on, we'd rather put the sacrifice out there. It's kind of like what we talk about when we talk about caring for people. How many times we would rather give somebody 20 bucks and spend 20 minutes with them? It's easier. It's easier to do that, right? Here's the sacrifice, but, uh, but uh, I'd rather sacrifice my, my, my money than my time. Obedience and sacrifice kind of tends to be the same thing. God's like, hey, I'm not really as concerned with your sacrifice and your offerings as I am your heart and your obedience. The word obey in that verse can be translated, listen. And the idea is listening with the result that you obey what God says. Now, this can turn very manipulative as well. Basically, it might sound like this. God, I'll give up this if you bless me. Once you do that, then I'll love you and follow you. That doesn't sound very obedient, right? That sounds like a bartering system happening with God. What if you did that with your marriage or a relationship? You know, hey, I'll love you. And I'll, like, I'll stay with you as long as you basically do every single thing that I want you to do. <laughs> it's not going to work out long term. That's not the way that you engage in a loving relationship. But that's how a lot of people approach their lives. They approach God like that rather than, God, I'll follow you and, and love you whether you do what I want or not. Completely different motivation. And Jesus is like, I, I want that heart. God, God is speaking that to us through Solomon. Now, we have to have a revelation of this or our offerings won't be true worship to God. Anytime that we put prerequisites in our worship, it's no longer worship. Anytime that we're putting some sort of you know, thing that says, hey, God, if you do this, then I'll do this, it, it no longer is worship. It's no longer a pure sacrifice, a pure offering to him. There's strings attached. That's why we talk about whenever in serving our community, we always use the phrase, no strings attached, because... That is really, I believe, the prerequisite that, that, that determines whether it's serving someone or uh, or doing something because people are looking, right? It's a big motivation change, and we've got to we've got to ask these questions when it comes to what I offer to God. Am I offering to Him something that's completely uh, uh, free, like with no with no strings attached, or there's some things that I'm I'm plugging in there? See, your your heart motivation is what determines whether an offering is true worship, routine, or manipulation. The second thing that he begins to talk about is prayers. And in verse 2 and 3, he says this, Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven, and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. For a dream comes with much business, and a fool's voice with many words." He's like, you're saying a lot of words, but not all of them are meaningful. Sometimes, you know, with with Ariana, we're we're like in a conversation, or maybe she's asking a ton of questions, and at some point, I end up saying, Ariana, just stop saying things. Just stop saying words real quick. Like, we got to process this, you know what I'm saying? Like like rapid fire questions, and I'm like, wait, just wait, hold up, you know, let's talk through this thing. And some people's prayers sound like that, just on and on and on, so much so that they begin to say things that don't even make theological sense, let alone any sense at all, <laughs> right? A whole lot of words. Similar to offerings, prayer can also become formal and legalistic, or they can become manipulative. It really can. And something because of how they pray, what they pray, or how many words that they use, that God will be favorable to them. Jesus addresses this in Matthew 6. He says, When you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. For they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. Now, for many of us, we're like, man, now there's stipulations on the way that we pray. (laughs) Yeah, I think there is. There's some there's some thought that we should give to how we pray. Don't just babble on, he says, like the pagans do. I think a lot of people, they think how many hours they pray, a certain way that they pray, a certain position that they pray, that those things evoke response from God. But that's not actually the case. God actually doesn't say, hey, you need to pray 17 times a day. You need to have this amount of hours put in. You need to log log your hours you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, you're praying something to me. Let me go back in the log and see how much uh, how much, you know, cash you got in your bank of prayer, all right? But people actually think that. People approach their relationship with God, and you know that could become very formal and legalistic. It really can. Some people's devotional life with God looks that way. It looks like, man, I do this every single day at this time, and, and they're almost like... Kind of like wear it like a badge or some sort of jacket, like, look, look, look what I'm doing. But it's actually becoming this formal thing with no life to it. It's legalistic. And, you know, at some point, based upon what Jesus is telling us, it's almost like God doesn't even receive it. Our heart has a whole lot to do with how our prayers are, what our motives are. Now, prayer matters, right? Some people go to the other end. It doesn't matter. I never pray, but God's listening. He knows my thoughts. Yes, he does, but there also is instruction to pray, okay? When it comes to prayers, I like what Max Lucado said. He says, our prayers may be awkward. Our attempts may be feeble. Come on, does that that sound like any of your prayers over the last few weeks and months? It just seems so weak, I've prayed so many times in the last couple of weeks even, and and I find myself at one point just honestly not having the words, and just literally saying, Jesus, Lord, help us, and because I don't know what else to pray. Jesus, help us, help me. Our prayers may be awkward at times. Our attempts may be feeble, feeble, but since the power of prayer is in the one who hears it and not in the one who says it, our prayers do make a difference, I love that. I love that. It's not about how you word it. It's not about the perfect timing. It's about who is hearing you speak your heart. It's the same thing whenever we sing songs and we worship, and we get to those moments where it's like, hey, sing your own song. That is a moment in a song service, a song moment, worship moment, where you are able to express your heart to God, and it's not on the wall. It's not some sort of, uh, if, if you will, ritualistic all right, uh, re- rehearsed, um, uh, uh, you know, sentence or, or song, it's something that in that moment, you're able to just express your heart to God. That's what prayer is, y'all. We express our heart. It's not about it sounding perfect. It's about your heart being in the right place. And, uh, and the power of it is in the one who hears it. So when you pray, let's not pray manipulative, manipulative prayers, right? Let's not, uh, let's not go that, 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 that route. Let's not pray insincere prayers, Pray knowing you are talking to an all-knowing and all-powerful God who can change everything. The next thing is he talks about vows. Now, vows are something that we don't talk a lot about. When was the last time that we we taught a message on vows? (laughs) I never have. I don't think I ever really have, you know? Vows. We talk about prayer a lot. We talk about offerings and sacrifices, but, but what about vows? This is what he says in verse four. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it, for he has no pleasure in fools. He uses that word fools a lot, right? We don't like the word fool in America. Don't call me a fool. (laughs) Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than you should vow and not pay. Let your mouth lead you, uh, let not (laughs) your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it was a mistake. Whoops, sorry, I didn't mean to say that. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the work of your hands? Vows were, were pledges that worshipers would make to God as a part of the offering or the sacrificial uh, process. And, uh, and, and a lot of times they would vow something so that God would kind of follow through on his end. And it sounds like that's what we just talked about being a negative thing. But this is also a, rea- a reality when it comes to uh, our walks with God that obviously God honors vows. If you fulfill them. And that's why Solomon's like, don't be so hasty to make vows if you ain't gonna follow through. Now, in our culture, that kind of sounds like something that we do, right? You ready for this? We, our, our culture is a non committal culture. That's what we do. And so it's like, hey, if you commit to something, follow through with it. And we're like, yes, follow through with it. So therefore, I'm not gonna commit to anything. <laughs> that way, I don't have to follow through with it. It's a wonderful plan. I don't think that that's the heart of God either. I think that we should, we should actually be you know, uh, consistent and actually be involved in life and, and other things. But, but some people, they make vows to God, and in those moments, it's a vow of manipulation just to get God to do what they want, and they don't, actually don't intend to follow through with it. And that's a problem. That's a problem to God, and it should be a problem to us. And Solomon is war- warning against people that make empty vows. Now, to make an empty vow... You've got to lack reverence, awe, and fear of God, right? Come on, y'all. To try to really manipulate almighty God, you have got to have a misconstrued understanding of who God is to treat him in that way. But that sounds like it's a problem in our culture, right? We have a problem with honor and respect. And when it comes to this, we can begin to see it. There's a lack of reverence and fear of God. You know, years ago, um, my brother-in-law Brent—he's actually here with us today—I um, asked him if I could share this because it was a very—it was, it was a pivotal moment in his life. But um, we were—we uh, were in New Orleans, and my father-in-law uh, Mark was—he uh, had to have a, a bypass surgery. It was a lot, a very, very complicated surgery, and in the surgery, we. Um, it went a lot longer than it should have. And so if you've ever been in a waiting room, waiting for somebody to get out of serious surgery, you know how tense that is. An hour after hour, it kept building. And uh, the longer that it went, the quieter we got. And, um, and so all the people were getting called out of the waiting room because their, their family members were uh, getting done with surgery. And, and I don't know, I, I think it was nighttime by the time that we finally got in the, and got called out. It felt like it was seven or eight o'clock. I don't even know. But um, our, our whole family. We get called to a waiting room, and we sat there quiet. And uh, the doctor walks in. The surgeon walks in. And um, as soon as we saw the surgeon, we we thought that he had died. It's just the, the way that the surgeon was talking about what went on. Uh, it was a very difficult moment. And um, at the time, Brent Brent wasn't following Jesus. He grew up in church, uh, but he wasn't following Jesus. He went to college and was doing his thing, and and uh, and so we're in this room and there's a lot of tension. Some of us are praying. Some of us are, are hopeful in Jesus and some of us are not. And as the doctor continued to talk, the, the, the news kept getting more and more grim and got to a point where it was like, hey, we're not really sure how he's going to respond, if he's going to make it. And at that moment, Brent, um, Brent had to get out. He, I got to leave. So, so he left and uh, we didn't see him for quite a while. <laughs> we're like, where's Brent? Is he okay? And um, I don't know, about an hour and a half later or so, he popped back up. And, and when he came back in, there was a peace about him that, that, that anger and that tension had subsided. And it wasn't for a long time that we didn't talk about this and what had actually happened. But, but Brent went, found a, a place and praised God. And he said, Lord, if you spare my dad's life right now, I'll follow you. That's a vow. That's a vow. And... You know what, miraculously, I think all the doctors agreed over and over, <laughs> miraculously, Mr. Mark lived uh, a few more years. And, and in that time, I remember Brent, we didn't know what had happened again, but, uh, but he kind of went back to his own life and started doing his own thing again. And, and a few months later, he popped back up at church and he sat right over there actually, and, uh, in one of the services and he, and he responded to the, to the response time raised his hand, and he gave his heart to God and hasn't looked back since. And the the interesting thing was that God called him on that vow. (laughs) said, you said a few months ago that if I spared your dad, that you would follow me. What are you doing? Basically, I'm I'm putting it in my own words here, but that's pretty much what what was communicated to his heart. God called him on that. said, are you going to fulfill that vow or not? And he responded to that, and God has radically changed his life. You know, there are times in our lives where, and maybe some of you watching or, or here, you've said a vow, you've promised God something, and you know, I, I think of those moments as sort of like a loose shoestring. It's just, it's just out there. God remembers those things. He remembers those prayers, and I think for some of us, we need. Maybe you're watching online right now, and, and maybe you prayed something like that five years ago. You're like, God, if you'll do this, I'll, I'll do this. That's a vow. You're offering a part of your life or whatever the the vow was, and and God is listening. And Solomon says, don't take it lightly. We need to fulfill our vows to God. You know, in Acts 5, there's another uh, story about Ananias and Sapphira, and they come, uh, and, and you can go read the whole story, but But basically a lot of people in the church, they're selling their possessions, they're selling property and they're taking what they they have. And uh, I don't know that we could do this in the church today, but they were doing it back then. They were bringing the money that they were (laughs) selling their properties for, bringing it basically to the church. And then from that, they would divvy it out and they were helping one another. And maybe they would be able to keep a portion of it, but it was like this communal type of of environment. so generous, right? You got to think about that, huh? Imagine whatever you sell, you just bring that cash to the, to the church and, and we all get together and say, okay, who needs help? All right, well, I tell you, why don't you keep this and pay your bills and then uh, let's just see. <laughs> We're not like that in the church anymore, but, uh, but what they do is they sold some property and they, they brought a certain amount of money, but it wasn't all of the money, they were dishonest in the way that they approached the, uh, the community. And um, it's pretty interesting because they get called on it. The Holy Spirit reveals what's going on and they get called on it one at a time. And both of them ended up getting struck dead. This is New Testament, y'all. I mean, this ain't Old Testament. We'd be like, oh, that's Deuteronomy, you know, that's, God's not like that anymore. This is the book of Acts, There's something whenever we vow to God and we are dishonest before him, it matters, y'all. And we can't take it lightly. We must have a reverence and a fear and an awe of an almighty God. And uh, we struggle with that in our country. We struggle with that in our nation. You know, guys, some of the the problems that we're experiencing right now in in our nation are simply because we lack Honor and respect, and we, we, we don't see people properly. We definitely don't see God, and I mean we as a, as a, as a whole. We don't approach God properly, and, and therefore that begins to play out in families, in, uh, in, in authority, right? In our judicial system, in every, every place that you look, there is a lack of respect and honor for, for humanity. There's a lack of respect for morals and standards fulfilling vows, right? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Wouldn't it be great if we could trust somebody's handshake again? Wouldn't it be great? We can't even trust people under oath, man. I don't know if you guys know what's going on behind the scenes right now with all of the uh, political stuff that's not on the front page of the newspaper. Go check that out. <clears throat> There's a lot of things that are happening behind the, door, the closed doors right now in our nation that nobody knows about because we're dealing with other issues in our in our world. But But there's a lot of corruption happening, y'all. Lots of corruption from top down. There's no accountability. Nobody's taking responsibility. We're paying for it. There's no respect. And I believe it's because we don't have reverence and fear for God. I believe it starts there. See, everything gets organized from that. There's, there's an organization that happens. Uh, in a family, there, there's, an, or, there's a, a proper organization that takes place when the father and the mother are operating properly with the kids. Is that what we see all over the place? No, of course not. Everything's not perfect, but there is, there, there, good things take place whenever there's order. And, uh, and I believe that to be true when we talk about this. We can summarize it by saying this. We don't want to give vain offerings. We don't want to pray insincere prayers or vow empty vows because we have a revelation of and a reverence for God. Solomon addresses this in verse seven, and this is the last verse that we're going to be in today. He says, For when dreams increase and words grow many, there is vanity. But God is the one you must fear. God is the one that you must fear. Dreams increase, people are saying a bunch of stuff, words grow many. There's a lot of vanity happening, a lot of things that don't matter. Come on, we're watching a lot of videos this week and I'm looking around saying, man, come on, guys. (laughs) What are we doing, man? What is that helping? What's going on? There's a lot of vanity. But he says this, God is the one you must fear. God is the one that you must fear. Now, this cultural issue that we have has bled into the church. It's bled into the church where (laughs) for a lot of people, when it comes to Jesus, they say things like "Jesus is my homeboy," you know. What I'm saying he's, he's my co-pilot. You know, he's we have all these these labels that we attach to the Messiah, okay, the Anointed One, God in person. <laughs> like, and we attach these labels that are just so weak, and we almost bring him down to like one of us. We humanize Jesus, not in the good sense, as far as like divinity being wrapped in flesh, but 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 like just a man, and he's so much more than that. And, and then the, the disrespect for, for God or the, the lack of honor for God that, that then plays itself out with people finds its way into the church as well. I, I love Northwood Church. I love this church, and we have incredible people. We really do. We have an incredible church, and we've got to protect that. We've got to protect honor and respect of one another. We always say this, we're not a perfect church. There's no perfect church. Let's all get past that. Can we just say that and move on? Like, you know, there's, well, everybody's not perfect. Everybody gets that, okay? <laughs> not, not everybody's perfect. Not every church is perfect. But at the same time, you know, we gotta forgive quickly. We gotta release things. We gotta give people the benefit of the doubt in any community, in any family. And I think if we have a proper reverence of God, then we'll have a proper view of ourselves. Therefore, we can have a proper view of one another, respect and honor and love one another, and we can actually have a community of people that support each other, stir one another to good works, and glorify God. But we've gotta have these things put in the proper order. We gotta have respect. We gotta realize that religion, church, what we do is meaningless without Jesus. Offerings are meaningless without Jesus. Prayers are meaningless without Jesus. Vows are meaningless without Jesus. Everything that we do is centered around and organized around the person of Jesus. Here's the main takeaway for us today is that Christ has redeemed our religious rituals and changed the way that we approach God. He's redeemed the things that we do. He's added value, purpose to those things. And he's completely renovated the way that we approach God. The whole conversation isn't about what we can do, but rather it starts with what Jesus has done. We can't offer a meaningful offering to God until we realize that Jesus is the perfect offering. Jesus became the offering, the perfect sacrifice. We can't pray a sincere prayer to God without realizing that Jesus intercedes for us as a mediator at the right hand of the Father. Y'all know that we can't even pray to God without Jesus. We have a mediator sitting at the right hand of the Father. His name is Jesus. We can't honor our vow to God until we recognize the vow that he fulfilled towards us. How? Jesus, through Jesus. Jesus was the personification of a fulfilled vow. He followed, God followed through with his promise to redeem us, to restore us. From the moment that the fall took place, God had a plan and he redeemed us through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And now because of this, we can boldly come before the throne of God. We can boldly come before the throne of God. Whenever we have a revelation of who Jesus is, a revelation of the, and a reverence of who God is, it doesn't cause us to cower in fear of God. It causes us to approach God with confidence and boldness, knowing that his grace is sufficient to cover us because of Jesus. It actually elevates the way that we see God. Look, it's kind of like a good father. A good father, the kids are not fearful of the father in a negative sense. The kids have a a reverence and and, and, uh, a respect for their dad knowing their dad's place, knowing their dad's ability to, uh, to discipline, right? But also they know their, the, the ability of their dad to love them. And this produces confidence. And as believers, I think that we can see that religious rituals are meaningless without Jesus. But man, what we do is so meaningful because of Jesus. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Wherever you're at, in your homes, with your families, Let's just allow God to search our hearts right now. God, if there's been any vain prayers or vain offerings, insincere prayers, God, if there's been any vows that we have vowed to you, but Lord, we have not followed through with, or God, maybe we've had a, a misunderstanding of, of certain things, God, we repent right now. We ask for you to search us, to change us, God, to restore those broken areas in our thoughts those broken attitudes, God, those actions, the things that we do that don't align themselves with our beliefs, God, we repent of those things. God, we ask that your grace would cover those sins. We need you, Lord. we come boldly to you right now. If you're watching online or maybe you're, maybe you're even here today in this room and and you feel like you're far from God, You feel like you you don't really know him. You feel like religious ritual is really what defines, describes your relationship with God. And right now you wanna say yes to following Jesus. It's not complicated. God took care of the complicated part by sending Jesus to die for us. The beautiful thing is that we get to to be in a moment like this, where we can actually just sit back and say, God, you're God, I am not. You have the power to redeem me, I do not. But Lord, I surrender my heart to you. Come on, if that's you, just say that. Say, God, I surrender my heart to you. All that I am is yours. God, I pray that you would forgive me of my sin, that you would redeem my life. God, that you would give me a hope and a future. God, that I would be reconciled with you. I repent of my sin. I turn from unrighteous living. And God, I turn to you. I thank you for saving me. I thank you for redeeming me. I trust you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's go to stand to our feet. What I wanna do today is is as we wrap up, I wanna worship. I wanna lift up the name of Jesus. And I wanna share all that Jesus is. You know, I just, I just named about three things, right? He's a perfect sacrifice. But there's a lot of other things in the Bible that, that state who Jesus is. And I think it would be great for us to remember that and to worship him because he's worthy to receive praise. In the Bible, Jesus is the Almighty One, the Alpha and Omega. He's our advocate, the author, author and perfecter of our faith. He's our authority. He's the bread of life, the beloved son of God the bridegroom, the chief cornerstone, our deliverer. He is faithful and true, the good shepherd, our great high priest, the head of the church, the holy servant. He's the I am, Emmanuel, the indescribable gift, our judge, the king of kings, the lamb of God, the light of the world, the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is Lord of all, the mediator, the Messiah, the mighty one, the one who sets us free. He is our hope, our peace, the prophet. He's our redeemer. He's the risen Lord, the rock, the perfect sacrifice for our sins, our savior, the son of man, the son of the most high, the supreme creator over all, the resurrection and the life, the door, the way, the word, the truth, mind, the truth, the victorious one, He is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He is Jesus, and He is worthy. Jesus, we exalt you in this place. We magnify you, God. Thank you, Father, for sending Jesus to die for us, to raise us to new life. God, we declare your goodness. Lord, we pray that as we sing this, God, that you would truly be lifted up in our hearts. God, that we would not approach you without reverence, without awe, without fear. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's pray this. Let's sing this together. You're my author, my maker, my ransom, my savior, my ransom.
1: Us, God, that we live in a place of safety under your wings, God, under your wings of protection, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. That we don't have to impress you with our with our actions. We don't have to impress you with good behavior. God, you just want our hearts, you want our worship. God, you want us to serve you with our lives, God. So help us to do that in a new and fresh way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Man, I'll tell you what, for those of you watching online like this is awesome being here and so yeah isn't this great guys come on yeah next week if i can guarantee something next week for those of you who want to come out and register to come out it's going to be a party, don't you guys think that? It's going to feel like a party in here. I mean, we don't even—this room's not even packed yet, and it already feels that way. So I'm excited for next week. So make sure you're looking out um, at our social media pages and, and and be ready to register as we come back to gather next Sunday. So, hey guys, as we close out, um, every week one of the things we've been doing, and I love this, is highlighting the different areas, the different people, the different organizations that we support through giving. And if you remember a couple of months ago, uh, we talked about a church down in Guatemala and we were actually able to help them out by giving them some money for their pastor to start distributing food. And, and it was such an overwhelming success and there was such an overwhelming need that still remained that this past week we gave another 20 Five hundred dollars to them to be able to help them distribute food to those in need. Yeah, come on. That's just amazing. I mean, talk about practicality in our giving going right to people in need, not just here, but throughout the world as well. Um, And also just this past week, this is something fresh and new that that, uh, we we actually saw a need on social media just a couple weeks ago um, that was put out by Gulf Coast Community Ministries and their computers broke. And if you know, running any kind of business, nonprofit organization, you need computers, right? So we as a church were able to bless them with two really nice computers this past week. We delivered them to them. They were really blessed. Blessed by that. So, guys, we're not just giving just to give. We're furthering the kingdom and we're doing practical things to help people where they're at and help organizations to serve people where they're at. So, I just want to encourage you to keep giving. Is there something I've been encouraged by the past few months? Is that our church, we've been continuing to give and been super faithful, and that reveals the heart of the people at Northwood Church. So I'm super encouraged by that. You should be as well. If you're sitting there at home, go ahead and get yourself a little pat on the back because this is great. Northwood.church slash giving. Let's continue to do that online, or you can send it to us in the mail as well. That's right on your screen. Also, before we go, I want to talk to two specific groups of people that might be watching. Number one, if you just gave your life to Christ, Pastor Jordan just really set that up great and led you in a prayer. If you did that, what I want you to do is visit that link that's right below you, northwood.church slash next steps. Let us know you made that decision. We want to reach out to you and help you get connected to the church, but also just to take your next steps in your relationship with God. You just entered into a family. We want to help you get attached to this family and also if you're new to northwood maybe you're you're just chiming in online this is your first time here or you've been watching for a while and it's like man i want to get connected to northwood i maybe want to start coming next week same thing at the same link let us know we want to reach out to you this week and uh, and get you connected to this church family all right so that's all i got you all have a great week can't wait to see you at the party next week take care